How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld podcast where we recap and review each episode of the hit HBO series Westworld. Today is season three, episode four, The Mother of Exiles, written by Jordan Goldberg and Lisa Joy and directed by Paul Cameron. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And you know what? I guess it's over, James. Huh? It's over now. I'll stop bringing it up. I'll just let us move on. I won't be the roadblock in your way to the rest of the podcast. Okay, well, yeah, that's not what you're doing at this very moment in time as you're saying that. No, I'm a hypocrite. That's how I roll. So, the director of this episode, Paul Cameron. Pretty prolific director, actually. And by director, do you mean cinematographer? <laughs> Is that what I said? No, he said director. Oh, yeah, he's a prolific cinematographer. Yeah, this is like the first thing he's ever, like the largest project he's ever directed, but he's a huge cinematographer. I mean, he's done Gone in 60 Seconds, Man on Fire, Collateral, Westworld. He was the cinematographer for the worst Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Whatever. When Disney writes you a large check, when are you going to be like, no thank you? And he's the cinematographer on an upcoming Lisa Joy Project, Reminiscence. So they decided, hey, Paul... You don't have to just work the camera anymore. You can now tell everybody what to do. And he did a great job, as we'll get into in the review of this episode. Okay, so you liked this episode. I did like this episode, which is good news because I was freaking out last week. I didn't like it. Oh my god, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. We That one iTunes review from two years ago is right, man. We are contentious people. So before we get into it, we just want to make this pitch. If you guys would like to support us on Patreon, patrons do get certain benefits. You will get a bonus episode starting this week with the beginning, our first pandemic movie club. You will also get access to our patrons only discord. We can chat live with Ryan and me. We're having a lot of fun with that. And we'll shout you out at the end of the show. Those are all true things. Go to Patreon and look up the Westworld podcast. That's where we are. So the mother of all exiles is the title. Is that a reference to something? Or... Oh, Christ. Uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty is called the mother of all exiles. I don't know if that tracks or not, but it's true. What relevance that has to the show, I am not certain. I mean, it was a present from the French. There was a bit about Paris. In this episode, I'm making large leaps at the moment. I don't, I don't know. So episode begins with William in his home having a total psychotic break. This comes in the form of a prolonged hallucination of his dead daughter who is berating him for both killing her, being directly or indirectly responsible for the deaths of many other people in his life, and him possibly being a host. She makes this one remark like everyone who you ever loved you killed and it's like well yeah that's true for his wife and for you and maybe for his father-in-law but she also brings up logan who i don't think william really cared that much about or probably actively hated and at this point are we convinced that anything is out of rehoboam's path like perhaps william helped lead logan to his drug abuse perhaps william helped lead his wife to suicide but there's also a big brain ball that's making the world go like a few blocks over. Are we just gonna? Are we gonna blame William for all of this when Brain Ball is on the job? Right. Yeah. It's just like uh, the old query. It's like, well, if if 
if God exists and he knows the future, then in the future it's already written and doesn't matter what we do if Rehoboam's already predicted and controls everything that we do. Right, which is why William, or probably one of the many reasons, William is going through a psychotic break. He says he's in control, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's in control. He's talking to his dead daughter, as you might recall. He murdered her because he thought she was a host last season. And the post credit scene for season two, the big cliffhanger, was him walking down into a lower level of Westworld with a plant-ridden forge i believe it was or just you know the bottom of westworld so it's going to be later in the timeline and him talking to what we assumed at the time was a host version of his daughter emily but at this point he's seeing her through his own delusion in his head so was she a host is she just being seen through the eyes of a crazy person who knows but we should say this is very similar to season two when bernard was haunted by a vision of Ford that only he could see, and that turned out to be a AI replication of Ford. So this may be an AI replication of Dolores, who's posing as his daughter. That, that's what I think. Really? I think everyone is a robot, and he's just having robot thoughts, and he's going nuts. William only snaps out of his fugue state when Charlotte Halebot arrives. She gets him caught up on the Sarek buyout situation. First, William doesn't really care until Charlotte mentions that what Sarek is really after is the secret brain copying project, which causes William to fly into a rage, put all the blame on Charlotte. But she tells him that she has a plan to take the company private, but she can only execute it if she has his help convincing the board. Right. Like when he was anti-caring, that made a lot of sense to me. And then she said something magical, and he was like, what? I now care. He wants the brain information? How dare him? No one knows about the brain stuff. He wants the... Now I care drastically more than before. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if you would, but that's fine. Bernard has a extended memory sequence of being rebuilt by Dolores inside Arnold's house. He questions her about her escape and who she brought with him, but she only answers with some cryptic speech about the nature of real life. We see Halebot in the background. We can be whoever we want to be. And it brings up the question that we've asked a few times, which is, if Dolores is trying truly to reach her goals, why would she create a person-slash-robot from scratch, from memory, who is the complete antithesis of her goals, we do not know. We get another Rehoboam mind map. Divergence in Victorville, California, home of the Victorville Film Archives, the largest VHS collection in North America. Also, dusty town outside Los Angeles. Yeah, known as just like a shitty town outside of Hollywood where some movie scenes sometimes get filmed. But thankfully, at this moment, the home of our one true pairing, the best duo in season three by far, Bernie and Stubbs, who deserve a theme song, a spin-off, action figures, the whole nine yards. Yeah, they're staying in a shitty motel. Bernard picks up a six-pack of beers, which Stubbs is really happy to see, but it's like, when robots drink beer? Do they get drunk when they do? Yeah. Maeve asks for a drink in this episode, too. Like, they're drinking beer and they're drinking wine when human beings aren't looking. They're just like us, James. Bernard believes that Dolores has killed and replaced Liam, and so he has built a device which freezes hosts 
and has now hatched a plan, which I thought originally, because he handed him a black suit, I was like, oh, Stubbs is going to be his chauffeur. But they don't they do not do any chauffeuring, but he does say, like, oh, I hacked into his rideshare company or whatever. Right. I, it doesn't matter. Either way, Stubbs walks up to him. Bernie touches the button to show him what the button does. And Stubbs freezes. He unfreezes Stubbs. Stubbs says, fuck you, Bernard. We're all very happy. This is very entertaining. If the whole show was just Bernie and Stubbs, I think I'd be happier. Meanwhile, Caleb and Dolores are going shopping for a bespoke suit. Caleb doesn't like suits because he's a regular type of guy. Yeah, he he wears t-shirts and pants. He doesn't know any about this this suit business. This has three buttons and you only button two of them? <laughs> this is well, out of and, my and range. When you sit down, you have to unbutton them. When you stand up, you have to button them again. That seems like a hassle. I don't understand the rules. Laura says that they need to look like one of them, rich folks, in order to get to the person who stole his future. Caleb here delivers a line. Who is it? Who are we going after? And that was a bad line, and Aaron Paul delivered it badly. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Honestly, the whole Dolores-Caleb storyline at this moment of their weird... Like, showing them directly after showing Stubbs and Bernie is a bit of a bummer. Not not a lot of chemistry between these two. Oh, you mean Aaron Paul and a robot? No, no. Turns out what is Luke Hemsworth and Jeffrey Wright have far more chemistry, and you can't put their scenes back to back because it becomes very clear that Evan Rachel Wood and Aaron Paul, they might as well be two bricks talking to each other. Across town, Martin Bot is nagging Liam into using his thumbprint to pay for what he thinks are bribes to be paid out to the families of the security officers that Dolores killed. Whichever robot is in Martin Bot does a great Scottish accent. In an extremely gross scene, Dolores and Caleb rob this rich guy for his blood, and then they inject the blood into Caleb, and I don't think medically, like, I'm, I'm sure that would be a horrible thing to do, to just take someone else's blood and just directly pump it into your own veins, but whatever. Right, does it matter if it's the same blood type? Does Dolores care about that? To me, it supports the Caleb is a host theory. Everyone's a host. Move on. Zarak <laughs> takes Maeve on a date in Singapore. He fills her out on the situation vis-a-vis Dolores, the mind mapping project, and the valley beyond. And it's also some point in history, Paris got nuked for some reason, and they never rebuilt it, which seems unrealistic to me. I feel like the people of Paris, uh, the people of France, would rebuild Paris at least after a time. And it's funny having one of France's foremost actors say the line, "Yeah, Paris is gone." There was a promo video with several divergences that came out two weeks before season three started. The first divergence was the impeachment of Donald Trump. Another was a Russian civil war, which is probably relevant to Caleb's story. And the next one was the quote-unquote thermodynamic incident of Paris. So it's it's described as an incident. That incident obviously could just have been a nuke. It could have been an accident of some kind. Either way, Paris used to be there, and now it's a hole in the ground. Sirak takes Maeve to Arnold's house and explains how Dolores remade herself and her comrades. Upstairs, they're interrogating an identity broker, the one who helped Dolores mask her identity. Sirak pronounces the words bona fide as bona fides, which hit my ear in a bad way. That was fine. It's fine. What hit my ear in the bad way was, okay, so 
He has found this identity broker, right? He has found Maeve. He has stolen her brain ball from a basement in Westworld. He has all the money in the world. He's the richest person in the world. Why doesn't he not just go find Dolores himself? That's the exact thought that I had when, when Maeve finally you know, reached the end of her story in this one. I'm like, what did Maeve do that like a competent private investigator couldn't do? Right. Is the reason why Serac is using Maeve to find Dolores because if he didn't, Maeve the character would have nothing else to do this season? Serac uses the Google Glass on the identity broker in order to make him talk. He sees images, I guess, of his family being tortured or something. Yeah, why didn't he just close his eyes? I don't know. Right, or shake the glasses off. It's pretty easy if you shake your head vigorously enough. Glasses will come off. Yeah, didn't try very hard at all. It, it's kind of like he liked watching his family be <laughs> tortured, so. He eventually reveals that he referred Dolores to the mortician, and Serac kills him. What a great nickname. I want my nickname to be The Mortician. Zorak tells Maeve that if she cooperates, he'll send her to the Valley Beyond, and if she doesn't, he'll put her back in the park. And he also reveals that he has built and is holding a kill switch made especially for her. So she finally agrees and leaves leaves Arnold's place to go find Dolores. Fine. Charlotte and William have a scene where they just bicker about the mole while he's shaving, and there's no new information revealed, and nothing happens, and so the textbook bad scene. Oh, come oh, No, <laughs> there is a... <laughs> That's uh, that's selling it a bit short. Halebot holds a sharp razor to William to help him shave something that Dolores has done in the past, which I believe will inform a cliffhanger that gets answered, a mystery that gets answered at the end of this episode. It's not an awful scene. Obviously, it doesn't move the plot forward a whole lot. But listen, we haven't had Ed Harris at all in season three. He is the and at the end of the credits. He is supposed to be a major part of the show, and we are halfway through the season in episode four, and we haven't had him at all. So the more scenes that we can have with him before he mysteriously disappears again, I'm fine with. You're being, you're such a naysayer, dude. (laughs) You're saying so many nays this time. To be fair, I was naysaying pretty hard last episode. How, How are we never coming together on this? Dolores and Caleb use the stolen blood to do a bank robbery. Now, you want to talk about a bad scene. (laughs) Uh, At first, it doesn't seem like things are going to work out, which is fine, because Dolores has a plan B where she'll just murder everyone in the bank. And when she tells that to Caleb, I wonder if he thinks, like, hmm, am I on the right side here? (laughs) No, like, he doesn't question it at all. Also, I do like that line. When she said that line, I was like, oh, cool, this is going to be cool. And then it was like a weird blood heist there was supposed to be tension and then she was just holding a gun how is there not a metal detector i uh, whatever this is only able to happen because liam had earlier given over his thumbprint to martin and they use his financial manager's blood and his thumbprint to access liam's bank accounts and drain them and uh, yeah, there is a bit of tension where it's like, oh, your thumbprint's not working. Okay, never mind, it worked. <laughs> Everything is fine. You can just take this $315 billion. Goodbye. Yeah, we won't call Liam just to confirm. It's cool. Right, now there's no reason to do that. You have full control and you have the right blood. Good day, sir. Maeve walks through the streets of Singapore and seemingly affects every bit of electronics as she passes by. Very Blade Runner. Yeah, the- this was fine. This was a cool-looking scene. 
She approaches the nightclub and is asked to see the mortician. When the bouncers try to scare her away, she attacks them and shoots one of them in the dick. Yep. One got totally dong shot and I, I felt bad for him. But listen, Maeve wanted to see the mortician and this is her whole thing. It's going to find a nickname in the back of a club because a French guy told her to. So don't get in that in the way of her. When the wounded bouncer is brought to the mortician for treatment, Maeve follows. Maeve kills the mortician's bodyguard and interrogates her about Dolores. The mortician reveals that she referred Dolores to her contacts in the Yakuza. At a fancy eyes-wide-shut-style prostitution auction party, Liam's friends apologize to him about Laura, Dolores's nom de guerre, her dying of an overdose, which is apparently the story that he's told them. Which doesn't happen very often. Everyone's gotten pretty great at drugs, so overdoses are few and far between, but they don't really second-guess it. Lara's dead. Wicked Games by The Weeknd plays in the background, a violin cover written by Raman Jawadi, who is on a pretty constant basis for this entire season, this entire series, and especially this song during this scene, straight murdering it. His friends give Liam some high-tech drugs, but he isn't really feeling this party until he sees one beautiful blonde prostitute up on the pedestal. And we should say, we do the 2020 Dong Watch, but there is some full frontal female nudity in this episode, which you do not often see, even on HBO. The girl that Liam chooses looks a whole lot like Dolores. Also, there was an opportunity for hashtag Dong Watch 2020 to occur totally yeah they, they dropped the ball on that it was leg blocked and there were like three to four full frontal nude women and not one dude so <laughs> this is bullshit Floris and caleb enter the party and they have their eyes on liam while martin bot watches from the balcony above liam's credit card is denied when he goes to buy the prostitute very humiliating we've all been there you take a girl out to a date and waiter comes back oh your card's been declined well i mean you run so <laughs> Just run. Dolores is ready to move in on Liam now that he's seen, you know, upset leaving the party without money. But Bernard and Stubbs intercept him and take him away at gunpoint. Bernie and Stubbs there, here to save the scene, which they do. And uh, Dolores sees them. Martin Bot calls to her and says that their friends have arrived early. So Martin and Dolores knew that Bernie and Stubbs were coming. Liam is taken by Bernie, who is followed by Martin Bot. When Stubbs and Dolores get next to each other, a great exchange occurs, in my opinion, where Dolores says, you know, this isn't your fight. You don't have to be here. And and Stubbs is like, yeah, no, I very much understand that. If I had a choice, I wouldn't be here. But Stubbs has programmed me to be here. And the look on Evan Rachel Wood's face of, oh, you poor bastard. It was very, very good. And then they get in a sick fight. Yeah, Dolores attacks them. Bernard and Liam flee with Caleb in hot pursuit. Subs and Dolores have a nice fight scene in which both of Liam's friends recognize Dolores as Laura, but they just assume that they're tripping balls. A solid assumption. Also, Aaron Paul's character doesn't matter anymore. Dolores ends up beating Stubbs and throws him over a balcony. I'm sure he, he's not he's not done. We'll see more Stubbs. He better not be done. <laughs> he needs to be alive. Stubbs and Bernie forever. I, I swear to God, if he's dead. I don't know. I'll, I'll do nothing. But I'll be very annoyed. Maeve and the mortician arrive at the Yakuza front business, which is a sake distillery. Not subtle at all. (laughs) The Yakuza pull some high-tech guns on Maeve, but she's able to control them because they're robot guns, and she uses them to force 
the Yakuza goons to kill one another. Hey, audience, remember, Maeve can do interesting things with machinery. That's why these guns were machine guns and not just like regular guns, in which case she would have just gotten shot. William and Charlotte prepare to leave his mansion. On the way out, William continues to hallucinate his dead daughter, but he comes to accept that she is not real and is just a manifestation of his guilt over accidentally murdering her in the park in season two. He has one glove on, like Michael Jackson, but this is because, you know, Dolores tricks him into shooting his own hand off last season. Back in the distillery, Maeve fights some more Yakuza using a katana. She pierces one of the sake barrels and some of that white host ooze comes out. Which... Why is a bunch of white host ooze in this sake plant? Who's making a bunch of robots? She meets the Yakuza Don, and it's Musashi from season two, who immediately kills the mortician. And that's why they're Yakuza in this episode, so they could have this actor come back for this role. He then starts lying to Maeve. You left me. And Maeve was like, no, no I didn't. Were you not there for the conversation? I didn't leave you. You, you chose to stay. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you got me. My thinly veiled lies have been seen through. I'm I'm Delor I'm Dolores. <laughs> Caleb stops Bernard from getting Liam into a car, and then Martin shows up with the rest of Liam's security team, who he then kills. Okay. Martin confronts Bernard, Liam runs away, Caleb chases after him. When Martin tells Caleb to chase after him, like there are so many steps happening right now for what reason? Maeve doesn't believe it's really Musashi inside the host. At the same time, Bernard is questioning Martin as to who he really is. Did I say Martin twice? No, I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> and, and Martin also takes Bernie's robot stop button out of his pocket at this point. So now Martin Bot has that. Hailbot reveals that she knows William is going crazy and also that she is really Dolores. At the same time, Bernard is realizing that Martin is Dolores, and at the same time, Maeve is realizing that Musashi is Dolores. And so Dolores is Agent Smith from The Matrix, which, right. you know, they got me. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming very much either. We called that it might be a copy of a human being last episode and other places on the internet did call everyone might be dolores we did not particularly because apparently we're we're worse at this than them yeah we're dumb how dumbs. dare they be better william attacks hale but her security restrains him she tells him that she has orchestrated his delusions and she was never going to take him to the board because she's having him involuntarily committed to a mental asylum i swear to god if they just put William in a hole the rest of the season, and we don't get more. Ed if we get one I think one that's what's happening, episode, bro. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so, so mad. Dolores whispers to William, declaring her victory, and then pricks him on the neck with a needle. Why should do that? Maybe, yeah, maybe he will be in more of the season, because well, that has to come back to something, right? I mean, with his blood, she can now take all his money, we've learned. Oh, yeah. Perhaps we can copy into a brain ball. I mean, she took five brain balls, right? One of them maybe was Bernie and the other four were copies of her. Maybe she just figured out how to make her own brain ball. We have no idea anymore. <laughs> I'm sure, actually, that's not true. I'm sure Alt-Shift-X or some other podcast has an idea, but I'm too stupid. Caleb catches up with Liam and holds him there against a wall as Dolores arrives. I'm with her. Good line, idiot. <laughs> Yeah, his only function in this episode was to say, like, action movie lines and look confused. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't important the whole time. His character took a back seat to Bernie and Stubbs, which was good. 
Dolores, who actually has things to do. Maeve, whose things that she's doing uh, feel weird, made up, like they shouldn't be happening the way that they are, but she at least has stuff to do. So, yeah, Aaron Paul, whom had a like a breakout episode last episode where which I really didn't like. And by the way, I'm like trying not to naysay this episode. I overall really did like it. And we're about to get to the end and we'll talk about our feelings. Maeve lies defeated on the floor of the distillery, but before Masashi can do anything else to her, the him and the other Yakuza have to flee because Sarak's security has arrived at the scene. Yeah, but she's like bleeding out on the floor. I guess Sarak is gonna pick him her up, right? And fix her on up. There will be more expositional scenes about perhaps what happened in the Russian Civil War or why Paris exploded. And he'll be like, gosh, I keep having to put you together. You're not very helpful. I'm not sure why I just don't do all of this myself. James, he might not do all this himself because he he might just be a hologram, right? He might be Rehoboam, but right. on Earth as a hologram and not real. He that just, might be he, why. He could just be lazy. Uh, why, why, why should I go to do it or why should I have, you know, some human waste their time when a, a tireless robot could go and do it? Yeah, I like that theory better. Locked away, William encounters a vision of old style Dolores in his luxurious, insane asylum cell. It's a very nice looking apartment. He's in a whole white suit now. The man in black in all white. Dolores wonders if William has yet reached the end of his maze and prompts him to finally ask her whether or not he's a host. He does, but Dolores does not answer and just leaves him there alone. We still don't know what Ed Harris did when he went down the elevator in season two. We don't know exactly what timeline in what possible mirror world in what context the post credit scene was in season two of William talking to Emily we don't know if he's going to be leaving this mental institution for the rest of this season. I really enjoyed having him back. He grounded the show in a time in which the show desperately needed some grounding to happen, and they might have just put him in a box, which would be wholly disappointing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to say right now, I'm looking at the timestamp when we've only hit 30 minutes, and it usually takes us about 45 to an hour to recap these whole episodes. So it just kind of shows that this was a very straightforward narrative. It was just all of the characters rushing to reach the end. And and yeah, I guess my issue with the episode was that just a lot of a lot of scenes of just characters talking back and forth about things that already happened or that will happen and you know, just wheels spinning it felt like until the last 10 minutes. If by wheels spinning you mean super sweet fight scene between Dolores and Stubbs, the Stubbs and Bernie marriage we've always wanted and needed, and a cool violin cover of a weekend song, then sure. But I will say, listen, we got bamboozled, James, okay? Everyone's Dolores, and I think that's better. That's better for me. I like that better than it being five separate brain balls, than it being, is that Clem? Is that Teddy? No, Teddy is in the sublime. He's yes. up there. Let's not worry about that. He he is actually where he's supposed to be. We thought, and 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 we have been discussing, like, oh, it's going to be a big guessing game. Who is who? And then earlier today, I was talking in our Discord chat, and I was saying, like, well, who is who is not that great of a mystery, because they're all going to be, well, like, tertiary characters, like, oh, I'm Angela, I'm Clementine. And, uh, yeah, you know, this reveal was actually better, and they Ryan Johnsoned our expectations. 
Oh, is that what you say for subverted now? Is Ryan Johnson equal subverted? My, yeah, well, they were. I, my expectations were so. Oh, Christ. Okay, so, but yeah, so I think that's better. And by the way, I kind of freaked out last episode because I felt like Westworld Season 3 was a windy dirt road going to nowhere. And this episode didn't save the season, but I thought it helped. It gave us an undeniable entertainment value for a a fight scene that I very much enjoyed. A, a few scenes that I very much... I mean, the whole Maeve thing is kind of stupid. But, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of what I'd call stupid shit. Although, to be fair, the bank scene was... Listen, I, I, I want to like this episode so badly. Just because, honestly, because the fight scene was good. And because... I really like the Bernie and Stubbs storyline. And because Ed Harris is back, and I l- want him to be a part of this series more than he actually is at the moment. But uh, we're halfway through the season, and a large season three mystery was answered. Everyone's Dolores. Sure, great. Is every other scene a mirror world, by the way? That's something we didn't talk about or was not inferred. Although there was one part of this... When Bernie was in Victorville and he was walking and two rocket ships were taking off and then it cut and one was landing all of a sudden. So there's obviously, we're going to figure out at some point that a lot of the scenes we're seeing are in a mirror world or simulation or everything's a simulation. There is an overarching mystery that is in front of our eyes that is, hasn't been figured out yet, right? Yeah, and I'm you know I'm still quite interested in that. I, I I did like that Ford's name finally came up in this episode. Oh my god! Thank God we were that was a large part of last episode. A last a large part of our naysaying was you know does the man in black matter anymore? Does Ford matter anymore? And to get some good news that he does matter to at least somebody on the show is uh i better than them i we were our our nay saying was are they just not going to say ford's name this season are they going to do that and thankfully they didn't yeah i mean as we brought up the big letdown in this episode was aaron paul who had nothing to do just kind of along for the ride i mean a lot of characters were just along for the ride. i mean i felt like mave was almost along for the ride where they were there were scenes that were supposed to take a magnifying glass and expand upon Maeve in the real world. And I just think they failed at doing so. Aaron Paul had absolutely nothing to do. Dolores, obviously, was it was just a very, like you said, straightforward episode where what happened happened and the reasoning for what was happening didn't have to, at least to the writers and director, and the showrunners mostly, it, it didn't have to explain itself like it it felt like they just decided okay we're gonna take the season and actually throw it in a direction and we're not going to apologize for said direction that's just what it is so any wacky theories popping up on the internet this week one large theory was or at least one like 10 20 theories right we're all wrapped up with the Dolores's everybody reveal. And the other one, which I, I talked about a little bit before, was what scenes are we watching that are completely mirror world? Is everything that people are seeing completely made up for them? 
Or is it a simulation where everyone's a robot and Rehoboam is trying to repopulate the world? But also, like, now that the, the Dolores reveal occurred, I think it's pretty obvious that there is theory out there. There is mystery out there that I believe is in front of our eyes that we haven't fully documented or understood yet. And I'm excited about that. I mean, it's nice that that the TV show that we want to like very badly has something that we don't fully understand. And I wish I could tell you. I wish at the end of this season, I, I could say like, you know, at the end of episode four, I totally called this. That is not the way it's going to go. So I have something, uh, since we have a bit of time, I thought we could do a reading series, which I always enjoy. We're going to read? So I have an, I I have an article read. for you. Uh, very, Aww. very uh, current. Are you going to read it to me? I don't have to read, right? Yeah, you don't have to read. I'll read it. You react. Relevant oh, to, God. to everyone's current situation, I guess. Perfect. This is from Esquire magazine. The article is entitled, Westworld is extremely my shit, but I simply don't okay. have it in me to watch season three. Okay. Subtitle, it's unsettling to watch a show about our doomed relationship with technology because technology is the only thing connecting me to other humans right now. Yeah, but I can jerk off to Black Mirror and everything's fine, <laughs> but keep going. This came out last week. I know a lot of people are turned off by Westworld's big swings and occasional misses, but I've never really been one of them. As a fan of pretty much everything peripherally science fiction related, I appreciate Westworld's cerebral approach to a show that could have simply been a sexy killer robot story. Yes, it's structurally and theoretically confusing, and yes, it's very serious, but it's nice to see a TV show taking a big budget risk the way Westworld does. Plus, when it does get things right, series delves into existential questions of human consciousness identity and our singularity with technology more effectively than any other tv show prestige science fiction i mean you can't fault westworld ever for shying away from big swings no you can't you can't call it cliche either there are cliche lines but the show itself is not cliche right prestige science fiction shows like westworld and fx's devs are willing to go places that most networks and movie studios are afraid to go television needs more of it television needs more what money like that's they need to spend more money on television well, i think what he's saying is you know, westworld's weird and he's glad that it's weird because tv's become kind of samey it's a fair point I, so far don't disagree i guess i don't disagree i mean describing westworld as weird i think is a is a miscalculation though i'll let i'll let, the, I'll let him get to the end before i i i say some nays at his face Yet, with all that's going on in the world right now, I've left these episodes feeling deflated and drained. I do not feel intellectually stimulated, and certainly not entertained. It's become hard to meet Westworld halfway, to put in the work of following along and investing the mental energy when our minds are consumed with other anxieties. As Americans began to brace for the onslaught of coronavirus on March 15th, Westworld Season 3 premiered to disappointing ratings. Are those two things connected, though? (laughs) No, I don't think so. Also, I'm not feeling intellectually stimulated. I'm feeling emotionally drained by a TV show. Uh, uh, like These are very millennial com- complaints, I feel. Yeah, exactly. He, he feels like his complaints are in the middle of two pieces of white bread. And by the way, this is a, a show that we have taken our turns complaining about the last four to five weeks, right? When I'm not complaining, you are. And when you are not complaining, I am. But still, as someone attacks the show that we do a podcast about, I want him to attack it better and without just attacking it in a way where he's just like, it make, my brain feels bad and I don't like it. He goes on to write, 
Although industry publications like Deadline and Variety predicted that Americans would be watching more television while stuck in self-isolation, that hasn't helped the Westworld numbers reported so far. It certainly appears that, with little else to do but watch TV, people have not been choosing Westworld at the same rate they did in previous seasons. Of course, there are other factors at play here. It's entirely possible that Westworld's polarizing second season and nearly two-year break turned viewers off, too. Yeah. No way. No way, no. dude. Be- well, because, you know, I remember when Game of Thrones took its two-year break and I was talking to some friends of mine and they were like, yeah, dude, like, I don't give a shit. I've moved on. It's been two years. Season seven yeah, was terrible. But they were lying. <laughs> like, the- Westworld is not Game of Thrones, okay? Westworld season two finale was watched by what almost 2 million if not 2 million people game of thrones ended around 20 million people watching it everyone who was claiming that they were not into game of thrones anymore because it took too long to come back was just too cool for school and up their own asses and i didn't believe one of them once (laughs) he goes on but it's also true that westworld is just too much right now at least for me it's interesting to see how viewing habits have changed as millions of Americans social distance. Many of us here at Esquire have gravitated to classics that give us the comfort of a bygone era. Others have escaped into the absurdity of Tiger King. Instead of watching Westworld, I've been binging old episodes of Chopped and indulging in the simple pleasures of island life on the new Animal Crossing. Both different forms of comfort okay. and entertainment. Well, now now he's talking my language, okay? <laughs> the Venn diagram between Chopped and Westworld, I'm not so sure, are very large. But Animal Crossing, I can, I can, I can dig on. That is, Animal Crossing is life. Westworld, on the other hand, exists in a near-future technological dystopia. It's set in a world where humans have already failed. They've mistreated technology to the point where it's rebelling against them. The faults of humans have already doomed them. Westworld feels like watching a techno-apocalypse take place in slow motion. The weirdest part is consuming this type of content when the bulk of our human connection is computer-mediated. Aside from my partner, the only other human faces I see are on a screen. It's hard to watch a show in which technology, or our misuse of it, is the enemy. And when it's the only thing currently connecting me to other flesh and blood humans. So he's upset that that, that Westworld is taking aim at his robo bros. Shut up. I mean, like, <laughs> then be upset and don't watch it. I don't care. If you sit through the Stubbs and Dolores fight scene after Dolores feels so sad that her counterpart Stubbs is doing something that he can't choose otherwise... He has been programmed, unlike her, to do something specific. And then they have a cool fight scene over a fire cover of a weekend song. The other 50 minutes of the show could be weird, rickety bullshit, which some of it was. And you're like, okay, well, at least parts of this were entertaining. This was at least worth my time, which I thought it was. And obviously, you might have separate opinions on that because you didn't like the episode. And you might have similar opinions on when I got to the end of episode two. And I was like, oh, that that felt like homework. This is just such a silly take to write an entire article on. Like, right now, my, my computer and my phone are making me really happy. And I don't want to think about in the future when robots kill people. Because it feels like I'm betraying my phone. While I agree that Westworld sometimes takes a road to nowhere and isn't good in moments, I don't like this person or their reasoning. What's this person's name? This is Matt Miller, culture editor of Esquire. Oh, God. Esquire. Let's see what else you wrote, Matt Miller. Okay. Oh, well, first off, see his face. Want to punch it. Okay, second, a Star Wars fan turned Colin Trevorrow's original Episode Nine script into an incredible animated short. 
Okay, actually, I'm a little bit interested in that. <laughs> Westworld is extremely my shit, but I simply don't have it in me to watch season three. You have read that to me, and I disagree. Four musicians at different points in their careers on how coronavirus changed. Oh, my God. Every Pixar movie ranked from worst to best. Did he used to work at BuzzFeed, get fired, and then Esquire said, if you write for us, we'll give you, like, food and a place to sleep? Okay, but he did put The Good Dinosaur as worst Pixar movie, which is correct. That is correct. That's that's not incorrect. Oh, my God. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have tested positive for coronavirus. I've totally forgot about that. Well, They're at fine least Matt all. told me. They're fine now? Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. So yeah, hit us up and tell us what you think of Matt Miller's Westworld hit piece. <gasps> He's a Devs fan. I found it. He's on that Devs shit. I'm sure. But he can watch Devs and it doesn't make him not like his phone. Is Devs like the rival prestige science fiction show running right now? I don't know anything about it. Yes, it absolutely oh, okay. is. Okay, well then it's, I hate it. Yeah, it's Ex Machina with Ron Swanson. Yeah, well I don't need to know anything else. Right. If it's rivaling Westworld and running at the same time in a similar genre slot, then I hate it. Yeah, then it can eat Just shit. like I hated The Handmaid's Tale until I watched it and then liked it. Yeah, season one of that show was good, then seasons two and three go down a weird path. So, if you're just listening, it means a whole lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. Hilarious. Hashtag gold. Hashtag best Twitter name all time. You can follow us on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us on any of the podcast apps I believe we are on. And you could leave us a nice review on those apps as well. That would be great. If you really want to go the extra mile, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you can become a patron on Patreon. Just one dollar We'll get you our bonus content, which begins next week. We are going to watch our first Pandemic Movie Club movie, 1995's Outbreak, which I have not seen since I was a little boy and watched it when I was far too young, and it scared me and gave me nightmares. Hilarious. Oh, you're, 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 you're so weak and soft, James, having nightmares about imminent death. Anyway, I've never watched it. I'm sure I won't sleep afterwards. Our patrons, our atheism is unstoppable. Bakaman, Brent, Carol, Chris, Craig, Day 11 Westworld, John, Lee, and Major Woody. Thank you for your monies. And now you'll get actual stuff for it. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, and we've had a real uptick in patrons this week, and it means a lot. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you guys, and I hope the rest of you guys will join us on Patreon to hear our Pandemic Movie Club, and also come chat with us on Discord, because that's been a lot of fun. I like that. Do that. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this <laughs> has been the Westworld Podcast. Wait, we never even said what next week's episode is called. Yeah, dude. join us here next week for Season 3, Episode 4, entitled Genre. Directed by Anna Forrester and written by Carrie Kroos and Jonathan Nolan. I bet that's how you say those names. I highly doubt it. Also, genre is that drug that Penny was taking. So... And it's a, it's a Francais word. It's another French word. I got a lot of French this season. Well, to be fair, they're doing as much French as humanly possible. They just wiped France off the map. But I think genre is at least more straightforward than the Statue of Liberty reference. For reals, though, this time I'm James. But for reals, though, this time I'm Ryan. And for reals, though, this is the Westworld Podcast for real. <laughs> Bye.